this is Karen Conley and welcome to Leadership Conversations presented to you by Lead Like Jesus. Um, I am so glad to be joining um, our audience today and also to be joining our guest, Dan Iacovello. Dan, thank you so much for joining us on this Zoomcast today. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, um, I want our audience to know if they're not familiar with you, um, you bring, as I was just looking over your bio and preparing for this conversation, I thought, I love talking to people who understand the cross sections of our culture. And really, that I think is a gift that you bring to our audience today. Dan is currently serving as the executive pastor at Hope Point Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. um, but according to your bio, Dan, and I'm going to let you give us some more details, okay. but um, you have a finance degree from Bob Jones, an MBA from Clemson, and who doesn't like Clemson, right? <laughs> that's right. Um, and then, <laughs> that's right, that's right. And then um, as well, you served six years in the Marine Corps Reserve, mm -hmm. 15 years in corporate America, and now you're in a position where you're taking those gifts within um, the church setting. And so, as we start this conversation, I just want our audience to know that you have a unique perspective uh, on different sectors of our culture. And so thank you again. I know life is busy. We're all, you know, trying to figure out the coronavirus. And here we are. We're making this thing happen. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. yeah. By God's grace, he has me where I am today. You know, never thought in a million years I'd be on a church staff when I started out my career both in the military and in finance, uh, but God has a, has a unique way of leading you to where he wants you to be. So just grateful for where I'm at today and grateful I can use my background and my gifts to benefit the church. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, I, want, I have several questions that I want to get to, okay. but um, as I kind of listed those things out, could you maybe just kind of in a nutshell, share a little bit of, of your story. Set the stage of how those transitions occurred and, sure. and how God connected those different events. Yeah, sure. I mean, I always wanted to be in the military, um, I think, growing up. Just sort of a passion of, of, of me as a kid. But my dad was instrumental in sort of directing me to say, just make sure you get your degree first and then you can be an officer or you can, you, so many more doors can open up if you, if you pursue a degree. So I listened to my father, but also at the same time I entered the Marine Corps reserves. So I did my basic training at Paris Island here in South Carolina. And then one weekend a month, two weeks during the year uh, for my reserve training. So I did that through college. And then a couple of years after college, as I started my career, I was still in the military reserves, the Marine Corps reserves. Got a job right out of college after getting my finance degree in a corporate America. And so I spent 15 years in corporate America. But during that time, I also got my MBA from Clemson, as you mentioned. So during that whole process, God has been growing me and working on me. I grew up in a Christian home, was around church my whole life, but never really took it seriously until I got married started being more serious about my, my spiritual walk um, with, with God and just started getting more involved in my church. And the more I got involved in my church, the more God started to sort of well up inside of me, this desire to, to go into full-time vocational ministry. And so I was doing the nine to five thing, the corporate thing. And um, again, that's something I would not change. Like I really believe in the sovereignty of God, and he, I think he took me down that path so that 
I could benefit the church in the way I'm able to do it now by his grace. Right. And so probably the last five or six years of working in corporate America, God was just working on me and I was pursuing different paths. God, is this the way you want me to go? You know, my wife and I pursued mission work. Is that where you want us to go? And God shut that door. Do you want me to go back to seminary and get like a Bible degree? God closed that door. And so maybe the last two or three years of that journey, uh, I sort of said, okay, God, I'm, I'm not pushing anymore. I'm just going to focus on my career, do well, you know, teach Sunday school and help fund the kingdom, I guess, is what you're calling me to do. And so I didn't so much focus on pushing into, into full-time vocational ministry, but I was still on my mind. And, and then all of a sudden, God opens this door with Hope Point lines up what they need with my background they they need someone with a business background leadership background but also someone that's passionate about church and discipleship and so it was just a beautiful combination and it was I was just saw like okay this is the time this is the thing this is how God is going to get you into full-time vocational ministry and so that's sort of the path, uh, short story but it that's how God did it you know it was it was not a lot of you know, at first it was a lot of me pushing, like, I got to do this, got to do this, got to do this. But then when I finally just said, okay, God, it's yours. I'll wait for you. That's when he seemed to sort of connect the dots and open the right doors for, for me and my family. So. Well, I, I'm glad that, I'm glad I asked that question. Cause I think that really, um, a lot of people that, um, we do, we try to push the doors, whether that's into ministry or out of ministry right. or into the corporate world or out of the corporate world. So yeah. um, that is a great uh, example of just trusting the Lord in right. he will put you where he wants you, when he wants you. Mm -hmm. So it's timing. Absolutely. Well, so Dan, tell me a little bit, as you have been able to be in all of these different environments, what are the common leadership challenges that, that you have seen, that, whether it be within a church staff or the marketplace or the military? What are some of those common leadership challenges? Yeah, I think, well, leadership is about influence. Lead Like Jesus teaches us that. This happens anytime you influence the thinking, behavior, or development of another person. And so as I think about the challenges as we try to influence, whether it's an individual or an organization, for me, what I've seen as the biggest challenge across sectors, military, business, uh, nonprofit, is this challenge of um, change. Like mm -hmm. leading an organization through major change, for me, has been one of the biggest challenges, both what I've experienced on this side of leadership and as watching leaders in an organization try to lead a company through change. Um, it's it's difficult. Um, it's a tough process, and it's it's common I see across all organizations uh, because you're trying to move people from the status quo <laughs> um, to a brighter future, which you see as a leader, but they don't always see whether you're a, a platoon commander trying to you know change orders for your platoon, or you're a company trying to implement um, maybe a new reporting structure, or you're going to a new market. Like people just are don't want to move out of their comfort zone, right? And so for me, it's like this uh, vision casting mm -hmm. is a major thing that gets you over that hump, right? And so I think as leaders, we need to be just experts in sharing vision and casting vision 
I'm, whenever I sort of talk about vision with, with the church, I always reference John Cotter's book, Leading Change. And he defines uh, vision as the ability to see a better, more fruitful future, despite the short-term pain to get there. And so I think the challenge as leaders, whether it's military, church, or corporate America, is when that change is necessary, being able to sort of paint this, the picture of the future, the brighter future, Mm-hmm. despite the short-term pain that'll that'll get there right so there's like this hope you're you're you got to be good at showing people the hope right mm-hmm. um, but along with that you got to be good at sort of recognizing the pain like mm-hmm. it's going to be painful for people for us like the um when we moved from our gymnasium that we worshiped in for 15 years mm-hmm. to a permanent location um, in spartanburg like there was pain for people. We're not going to worship the same way. Uh, we're not, we're, we're, you guys got to dig sort of deeper in our, everybody's got to dig deeper in their pockets to give a little bit more uh, in order to purchase this new building. And so there was this short term pain. So you got to sort of recognize that as well as paint this, the picture of what it could be. Mm. And so I think that challenge is very common across sectors. And uh, I think it really separates leaders from managers. Mm-hmm. In any organization, uh, being able to cast vision, that's common, whether it's military, private sector, public sector. Uh, so for me, that's, the, I think, the biggest one, maybe. Well, Dan, I, I could not agree with you more. Um, as you said that, I thought, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> every organization. And and even, uh, and maybe you can address this, um, even as your example within changing a physical location, it was an improvement. It was an upgrade. Right. And yet there still are going to be things that people, you know, grieve. And um, how would you recommend um, across all sectors? Um, again, you mentioned that vision casting as one of the answers. Okay. If the biggest problem is change, then one of the um, the one of the solutions as a leader is to cast that vision. Are there any other um, things that you would say have been timeless truths that have helped you in either the vision casting or in acknowledging the pain section of that equation? Yeah, I think and Carter I think talks about this in his book. It's uh, he calls it uh, gathering a guiding coalition of people, and mm-hmm. so. It, you can't just sort of as a as a leader or if you have a small group of leaders just one day get in front of your organization and say this is the change we made the decision in a, in a meeting last week and here's this is what we're doing um, you really have to get your your core leadership on board first mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's sort of what we did we held two meetings and we had like our small group leaders the leaders in our serving areas. It must have been about a hundred people that we first cast the vision to to get them on board, mm-hmm. get them to see the vision. And then once you get that smaller group of leaders on board, they can then spread it to the rest of the organization because they're sort of your cheerleaders at that point. Like, oh, I get this, I see this. And so I think you have to do sort of small steps. Mm-hmm. And, and getting this vision out there at first it's it's with a, sm- a smaller group of leaders probably the core of your organization the people that are 
are the uh, maybe intermediators between mm -hmm. you and the, and the frontline folks there. And so those are the folks that you really need to get on board and get excited, have them be able to see what you see in terms of what this change will do. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a, that's a big thing that organizations need to do in order to cast a vision, especially major culture change type changes like we had in our church, because it really was a culture change for us. We were setting up and tearing down every Sunday and now we're going to have our own place and we don't need to do that. And, you know, we don't, so it was a, it was a culture change. We were a mobile church and we were proud to be a mobile church, but now we are something different. And how's that going to affect us? And so you really have to get those uh, next level key leaders on board to help cast that vision. Uh, maybe maybe a second thing is is really um, like owning up to the pain. Like mm -hmm. don't avoid the pain. Just address it up front. Right. Like you can if you avoid the pain and avoid the hard questions. So that's what we try to do. Just think of think of the questions people are going to ask. Think of the, think of how it's going to affect them. Like don't, don't gloss over that. Right. Because people are legitimately going to be sad that this mm -hmm. is not going to be the way it's, it used to be. Right. Mm -hmm. So just be a good leader and care about that. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And address it. You know, Dan, um, someone at one point told us that, you know, every time you grow, you gain things and you lose things. And the leader is generally focused on what they're gaining and the followers are usually focused yep. on what they're losing. And so to affirm what you said, um, to give people an opportunity to grieve what they're losing and as that leader to acknowledge it is, is so key. Talk to us, because you have walked um, down the, the secular road and also the faith road, is there a difference in the way that you've seen um, leadership handled and addressing change handled between those two environments? And anything we can learn from one another? Yes, for sure. I think there is a difference, like, especially in a secular uh, area and corporations i think when you are casting vision i think this is the major difference when you're casting vision as a leader in a secular organization the the the, the painting of the more fruitful future is going to include i think always how does this change affect me as an employee mm -hmm. like what is what why if this if we're a company and we're moving our corporate headquarters to a new city, like how, I, I get it that it's good for the company, mm -hmm. but how is it good for me? And mm -hmm. so in the secular side, there always has to be this element of how's this going to affect your employees? Uh, okay, we're going into this new market, you're going to get more commissions or, you know, we're increasing our region size and so there's more potential for bonus, right? So you're thinking about the positive benefits of, for the employee. On the faith-based side, you may be casting a vision that has nothing to do with a benefit for the individual in, in your church. In fact, it might be to the detriment of the individual in your church. So, for example, we just recently went to two services, which we had in the first time in our history, right? And so the, the, the vision was, look, you're going to have, a lot of you are going to have to get up earlier, go to an 845 service. You're going to have to serve more because we need volunteers. 
and you might not be worshiping with the same people because they'll be in a different service than you. And, you know, so it's all negative <laughs> to our people, but on the faith-based side, we sort of get the bigger picture like this change, although I may need to sacrifice and although it might be detrimental to me as an individual, I know it's for the benefit of the kingdom of God. Like we're going to be able to free up space in our second service so that more people can come in and more people can hear the gospel, more people can sit under the preached word of God. And so for me, that was a huge difference mm -hmm. that vision casting is not just helping the individual understand the benefit for he or she, but uh, in the faith-based organization, it's, it's like, we got to think bigger picture and our, you know, the body of Christ is beautiful like that and they are on board with that. And so the vision casting is maybe it's a little bit easier on the faith-based side because you, you get the bigger picture. Now it's still hard to get people up early on a Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> we have to change our service times uh, after two months and go to 9:15. we started at 8:45, and yeah. now it's 9:15. <laughs> i've been there and done that i yeah. totally relate to that so um you know dan you are a lead like jesus facilitator and so you're very familiar with how important we we view the heart of a leader and that we know that leadership starts on the inside um when you think about that inside transformation um how do you see that handled in both a marketplace or in a faith-based? And what are the what are the things that you're seeing that are like, okay, this is good? And what are the ways that you're going, okay, wait, we really need to, as leaders in this country, pay attention to that in whatever sphere we're walking? Yeah, it's something I've actually been thinking about for a while now. Um, you know, heart heart change is uh, is slow. Um, and, and, and I agree that sort of the inside, the inside transformation is the thing that we're after, especially in a faith-based organization. Um, but, you know, just reading books recently, like, I think we understand sort of the leadership community understands that, um, internal transformation is necessary for the leader. Mm -hmm. um, like if you look, even back at uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective mm -hmm. People, the book starts out with inside out. Like, you know, Covey was concerned about character, right? Um, Jim Collins, Good to Great, in there, he talks about level five leaders and what separated level five leaders from level four leaders was this sense of humility. Like they always said, well, you know, I was just in the right place at the right time or my team got me here or, you know, it's just luck, right? And so, Collins observed that, that companies that lasted for a long time were led by people that had this element of humility, sort of this internal characteristic, right? And then he wrote a book, I think maybe 10 years ago, How the Mighty Fall, talking, mm -hmm. telling us how, like he, empirical evidence of how these big companies failed. And mm -hmm. one of those chapters in there is on hub hubris, right? Pride, pride mm -hmm. and previous accomplishments. And then even more recently, reading um, Jocko Willink and Leif Babin's book called Extreme Ownership, How Navy Seals Lead and Win. Mm -hmm. He has a whole chapter in there on pride. He said the, the, the chapter is called Check Your Ego. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. So I found it fascinating that this Navy SEAL leader for 20 years is talking about pride and how mm -hmm. that can be detrimental to leadership. And so I think it's like it's recognized out there that 
sort of internal transformation is part of being a good leader. I just think just as a pastor and as a believer, uh, our sinful natures take over, right? Like, like we, we want, we, we're sort of prone to pride. We want the fame. We want the acknowledgement. We want people to recognize us. And so uh, we, we sort of overlook that. But I think, I think the marketplace knows that it is beneficial for leadership. Mm-hmm. It's just actually seeing it work out is uh, difficult and rare. Um, but like Colin says, when you find those type of leaders that have that and the drive that comes along with it, uh, you are really going to have success in a company or organization. So. Well, I think what you just did, um, and, and you're probably, I don't know if you're aware, I, just as you were talking, I just thought, you know, what you just did is you just gave some great anchors to every single um, believer that is in the secular place um, to be able to go, okay, wait a minute. Um, seven habits of highly effective people, Jim Collier, good to great, uh, yeah. extreme ownership. These are all very well accepted secular mm-hmm. leadership books. Yep. And so, um, it translates, mm-hmm. um, it is, it is, you are able to take that faith and, um, yes, there, there has to be a sensitivity to your marketplace and those kinds of things, but yep. that humility, pride, um, is a way that we can walk in what we believe, um, even though they may not understand the sinful nature or the cause right. behind it. It does give an open door as a leader to really be able to bring truth in in a way that is acceptable within a workplace environment. And I think that I think that's how um, Christians in the workplace can make a difference and be Christ in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Is I mean, there's there's probably a lot of characteristics that you can show forth in the workplace that would show Christ. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the biggest ones is humility. Mm -hmm. And people can see that, whether whether it's just the way you lead a meeting Mm -hmm. or just a conversation between you and a coworker or you and a boss or you and a subordinate, like people can see humility and or pride Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) pretty quickly. And so, um, uh, and that for me, like when I was sort of winding down my time in corporate America, that's when I, I really start to see, I saw really how you can be a Christian in the workplace in that way mm-hmm. is by leading with humility and people can see that. And, you know, I'd get done with meetings with like in with the CFO or VPs and someone would say, you, you lead a little bit differently, don't you? And, and I was, you know, wasn't thinking about it, but just so grateful that by God's grace, mm-hmm. people were able to see that, you know, maybe they caught me on a good day, but you know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think there's some intentionality that I hear from your, <laughs> your journey. So that's great. Well, I know that we're, we're almost out of time. I wonder just maybe to, to finish up this Zoom cast, is there a, a pivotal story or example from your own journey that, that might be a, a helpful um, to relay to our audience um, in just ways that you have been able to overcome a leadership challenge um, along the way? Yeah, I, I think it's really maybe, you know, I could probably answer in a couple ways, but I think being sort of in a holding period when you don't think you should be in a holding period, not getting a promotion when I thought I was 
should I've gotten a promotion? Mm -hmm. So in my last company, before I was in a management position, I was just a senior financial analyst. Our uh, director went on to another company and that position was open and, and I stepped up and led the, you know, we had a $1.2 billion budget that I was able to take our, our region through the budgeting process, mm -hmm. led through a couple of different mergers and acquisitions. And I thought, okay, now I'm going to get this director level role. And lo and behold, I didn't. And they brought in a, a, a person from Europe and he was my new boss. And, uh, you know, I was really hurt by that, taken back by that. Like, like, man, I was ready for this. I proved that I could lead. Why, why did I not get this spot? But then it turned out that this guy was probably one of my best bosses ever. And he taught me so, so much about leading people and leading teams and, and so I look back on that experience now and just thank God that I did not get that promotion at that time because that person gave me so much valuable leadership uh, experience and leadership coaching uh, where I wasn't ready for it. So I would just say, don't, don't view sort of your waiting periods as a bad thing. Like you're, look at all these situations that you're put in and say, how can I learn? How can I develop? I might not have gotten the spot or the position, the thing that I wanted, um, but how can I use this time, this waiting period as a development time for me? And I'm so grateful to God that he did that for me, sort of forced me into that position of like, okay, like this, this person is going to do something for you that you didn't, didn't think you needed. And so that's what I would say, just these waiting periods that you get put in, these holding periods, not getting the promotion, not getting the thing that you think you want or need. It might be the exact thing you need. You're just not going to see it maybe into a, a couple of years down the road, maybe. Mm, that's great. That is great. Well, Dan, um, we are obviously in a season right now with a lot of change um, in our culture. Um, as we are recording this, um, you know, the coronavirus is is making its way on the scene and uh, you know travels being affected and colleges and schools and all those kinds of things um, as as a man of who is a leader and a follower of Christ what what would you say to our listeners just to bring um, a remembrance of what's important as we are um, walking in our different roles throughout culture yeah um, well we sort of told our church is four things one when you pray about this you know pray for the mercy of god here pray for our our medical workers and our government to make the right decisions number two trust in god trust in god's sovereignty he's a sovereign god he's in control um, he's a good god and he is a wise god right uh, number three we told our told our folks keep loving people love your neighbor this is not a time to be scared and, and sort of hunker down. Yes, take the right precautions, but also love your neighbor. And then the fourth thing is just act wisely. It's not um, fearful for you to put precautions into place, right? We are believers and we trust in the sovereignty of God, but he doesn't ask, ask us to be stupid. So, you know, if the government is saying don't gather you know, groups over 100 people, then don't gather your church. Like, let's, let's be wise here. God calls us to wisdom. Jesus cared about the sick and the lame, and he healed 
he healed diseases. So if Jesus cared about healing, we should also care about doing the things that we should can do to prevent the spread of disease, right? So it's, and I think a lot of people are saying, you know, just, you know, be brave and get out there and have your church services. And I don't think so, you know, let's, let's be cautious, let's be wise. And let's, let's, and, and so it's, it's a hard thing for a leader right now. You know, uh, I'm, I'm grateful for people that recognize that, like these, these are not easy decisions. Mm-hmm. We hate to have to cancel church and do online church only. Um, so pray for your leaders. Um, give them a lot of grace, I would say, because these are not easy decisions, but, um, and they're not taken lightly. We're, we're, we're praying, we're consulting, we're, we're talking to, to the experts. And so um, it, it, these are not easy decisions, weird times for sure. And uh, we're just trying as leaders to make the best, wisest decisions at the appropriate, appropriate times. Well, Dan, thank you so much in the middle of your busyness um, for taking the time to share just your wisdom. It was a fantastic um, opportunity. Enjoyed talking with you. Um, if, if anyone has any questions and, and wanted to get a hold of you, is there a way that, that you would want um, them to communicate with you? I think maybe instead of trying to spell my last name for everybody, I, I would say maybe just email me at info at hopepoint.org. It's probably the easiest way. All right, perfect. I get all those emails as well, info at hopepoint.org. Great, thank you so much. And if you want more information, content and tools to help teach your leaders, your um, managers, your people, um, please go to leadlikejesus.com. You'll find some great material there that will help really build into all of the different things that Dan has mentioned today. So until next time, I hope you have a great day. Thank you.